Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Do you feel like the earth is groaning? I lift up Romans chapter 8 today. I want, I want you to spend some time in the Word of God this morning um, or what, whatever point in the day you're listening to this message. Um, spend some time in Romans chapter 8. Read the entirety of verses 18 to 38. I'm actually going to pick up at verse 31. After, uh, after Paul has sort of chronicled the challenges, right? and expressed that um, we're not alone in this. The Spirit comes alongside us in our weakness. Verse 31, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who then is in a position to condemn us? Christ. Christ who died for us. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or the coronavirus? That's Carmen adding a little there. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am certain, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no one, ever, for those who are in Christ and with Christ, let us be people who not only live in this truth, but who share the good news of this truth with others who are today um, suffering and afraid and uncertain that the future is filled with hope. We know it to be true. We know it to be true. Let us cling to that hope and let us declare that assurance in the living of these days. Next up, Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. He and I are going to talk through some of the scenarios and questions that you as listeners have sent in. We'll be right back. Joining me again today, Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. How are you doing today? I'm well. I am well. It is well with my soul. And you? 
Uh, you know, I'm doing good. I I feel like I got a little bit of fish lips when I'm talking this morning, but I think I'm, I'm going to get through it today. Okay. So I tried talking earlier today and it just wasn't working quite right for me, but <laughs> I'm good. So I have a series of of, uh, of listener questions, and I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna fire them off one by one. Here is a listener. All right. Uh, listener question number one. Uh, Bill, I lost my job. How do I work with companies to whom I owe money? I'm not able to make my payments because I'm out of work. I've never been in this position. I've always paid my bills. I feel ashamed. Um, I need help prioritizing what to pay, what not to pay now, and how to approach those to whom I have made commitments, but I cannot keep those commitments right now. Yeah, so uh, several things. First of all, keep tithing. Don't sin by not tithing. So your first commitment with your money is always to the Lord, right? It's not to uh, any creditors, your mortgage payment, or anybody else. So your first commitment is always to the Lord. Uh, Secondly, uh, be proactive uh, and call those uh, who you know you're going to be late in paying them and just let them know that, that you're going to be late. Now, they're going to ask, well, when can you make the payment? And you're going to say, I don't know. And that's okay to say that. And when they say, well, I need a date, you can uh, say, uh, to, and, and mind you, these people at the other end of the phone, they're just following a script and a process. They personally probably don't really care. And so you're, you're going to say um, something like, you know, June 1st or something like that and and try to give them a date that they'll accept and remind them that you don't know if you can make the payment on that date. Thirdly, if they call collections and start to pester you, you can demand that they stop calling you by law. They are not allowed to call you once you tell them not to call. But fourthly, here's the principle that we use when we're turning around a company at, at Platinum. We do this a lot. Um, Pay those first who can shut you down, and then pay those secondly who can't shut you down but can cause you a lot of heartache and pain. So who can shut you down? Well, your mortgage. But that takes 12 months for them to um, to go through the uh, process of evicting you out of a home. And I doubt that the government is going to allow them to do that during the COVID response anyways. And so you, I think you've got pragmatically, if you can't make your mortgage payment, um, you should prioritize them, but they're not going to be able to kick you out anytime soon. But your uh, utilities, they can shut you off. Your car payments, they can come repossess your cars. Those are the things you pay first. The things you pay second are things like your, your TV, your credit cards, your medical bills, if you have a lawn service, things like that. Those are the kinds of services that can cause you pain uh, in terms of calling you all the time and we want our money, but they can't shut you down in terms of kicking you out of your house or taking away your heat, those kinds of things. So you want to prioritize the, um, the, the payments that can shut you down first and then prioritize the ones that are going to cause you pains. Others, if you've loaned money to family, or if you've borrowed money and the family wants the money back, family comes last, in my estimation. Uh, they All they can do is cause you pain and heartache, but they can't do much else. So um, I'm serious right, so, about it. You know, I'm no, no. Yeah, crass. so we're going to – no, it's good. So we're going to um, we're gonna keep tithing. We're going to be proactive and call call those to whom we owe money. We're going to tell them we're going to be late. We're going to tell them we don't know when we can pay them. If they pester us, we're going to demand they stop calling um, we're going to pay those first who can shut us down. We're going to pay second those who can cause us pain. 
but can't shut us down. Any anything else on this list for um, for people who have lost their job, even if it's temporary? Yeah, uh, make sure you file for unemployment. And if you're self-employed, you'll get an additional 600 bucks for four weeks. Uh, and guess what? If you're willing to work and you got time, the healthcare industry needs you. We are in dire need of unskilled, uncredentialed workers. I, w- I could hire 100 people today if they showed up at my door uh, in, in Otsego, Minnesota. So um, we, we have a lot of job openings, and we're not the only ones. If you don't mind doing uh, some lower-level work in the 12 to $15 an hour range, there's plenty of work in the healthcare industry for you to do right now. All right, question number two. I'm a business owner, but my company is really small. What's in the stimulus bill for me, and how do I access that money? Yeah, so there's there's a paycheck protection program that's part of the stimulus bill. And uh, the way you access that money is to get in front of at least two bankers who are preferred SBA, Small Business Administration, lenders. Now, these we know these guys, at least here in the Twin Cities. We know who they are. And they're, they are swamped. They, if, if you think a profession is swamped, I estimate that there's going to be somewhere around 10 million applications to the SBA and the Treasury Department for stimulus money. And these guys and gals are just swamped. Make sure you get in front of them. And then um, when they say, I need X, Y, and Z, do exactly what they say and don't complain or moan about it. Just do what they say and try to get in the queue and and see if you can't get that stimulus money. Okay? Now, that yeah, stimulus money is... So I just want to tell Go people, ahead. you literally you literally can Google preferred SBA lenders list, and you can find yeah. preferred SBA lenders in your area. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but if you're a business owner, you really ought to already know who your banker is. If you've been pushing your banker away for years and years, like so many of you do, and you know who you are, this is the wrong time to try to be cozying up to the bankers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would have been a whole lot better had you developed those relationships a few years ago. So go after them and and uh, and and get in line, but there's going to be prepared for a wait. There's going to be a lot of people, and I don't think the system has the throughput to manage the number of applications that are going to come through. All right. Uh, Bill English and I have lots more questions from listeners to process. The next one is, I've never laid anyone off before. I love my people. How do I tell them I can't pay them right now? They're like family to me. This is killing me. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Almighty fortress is our God. Continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Let me just remind everybody, you can email Bill directly, Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com, if you have other questions or follow-up questions. I know we have a listener who texted in with a follow-up question on the additional, you know, $800 or additional $600 um, for those who apply for unemployment benefits right now. Um, So if you have additional questions, you, you can email Bill directly. Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. This seems like a good time, Bill, to tell people about the Zoom meeting you're hosting on Saturday. Let's uh, let's jump to that and then come back to the listener question about laying off um, members of our team. 
Yeah, just real quick, I'm doing a one hour at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, a Zoom meeting for business owners and leaders. Anybody can participate. It's all online. You don't have to be here in the Twin Cities. And we're just going to talk about um, what's going on in your business, what's COVID doing to you, and maybe what what could an online group over time do for you. And, and it's just going to be a very informal conversation. If you're interested in attending that, uh, just email me at bill at bibleonbusiness.com and I'll, I'll send you the uh, login information and the Zoom information. Awesome. Okay, so back to listener questions. Um, we have this, you know, person who's never laid anybody off before. Um, I love my people. How do I tell them I can't pay them? They're like family to me. This is killing me. Well, first of all, everybody knows that you can't pay them. I mean, that your employees would have to have serious brain injury in order to not understand that you can't pay them right now because you're probably shut down. So the entire point of the stimulus package is to provide payroll, rent, and utilities for 10 weeks. That's why the formula is to take uh, the average of those three elements from 2019 divided by 12 and then multiply it by 2.5, which is 10 weeks, right? So if you're going to get stimulus money, then you'll be required by your agreement to keep paying your employees and to keep them on your payroll as if they were working. Uh, if you lay them off, then they can go get unemployment, but then you can't use the stimulus money for anything else. It'll turn into a 10-year loan of 4%. So uh, you, you have a choice. You can lay your people off and they can go get unemployment, or you can go get the stimulus money and pay them what they would have normally been paid over that 10-week period, and you'll be able to pay your rent and utilities and thereby keep at least the basis of your business going. All right, that's really helpful. Um, and then let's talk about, let's just pivot to those in leadership at their churches. Lots of questions about, you know, churches facing financial challenges. Um, let's just talk about, let, let's just talk about some issues related to churches um, and raising funds um, and maybe encouraging people who have money on the sidelines to to give now like they've never given before. Yeah, you know, this is really an opportunity for, you know, James 5 talks about the wealthy not hoarding their wealth, but giving it away. And there's other passages like that. This is really an opportunity for the wealthy in our churches to step up and not just give some, but really, really give. Um, I, I know several business owners who have well over $20 million. They could all give 10 to $15 million and probably wouldn't feel it. And uh, those gifts could be used by the church in the community and within the body to support those who are who are going to need the support. Look, this twelve hundred dollars that you and I are going to get, you know, for Kathy and I, twenty four hundred dollars. That's not going to carry us very far. Um, these the the amount that people are going to get in unemployment isn't going to begin to cover all their expenses. This is this is one time where the church can really step up and be the church and provide for people in a very loving and meaningful way and communicate the gospel along the way. But we need the wealthy in our churches to really step up and give sacrificially. All right, one more question uh, here, Bill. Our church wants to help, but we can't help everyone. And up until now, the pastor has been the one who approved the benevolent help that we give to individuals and families. That seems like too much pressure for one person right now. Um, but we don't know how to do it differently. Is there an application and approval process that you recommend? 
Yeah, there is. Actually, I take a page out of Acts 7 where the, where the uh, disciples appointed um, seven men to oversee getting food to the Grecian uh, widows, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, use that model. Have the elders appoint a group and then have that group do the approval process and figure it out for their church. I would recommend that it's an online approval process. Build a few web pages. It's not hard to do. And people can say, I need this bill paid. I need that mortgage payment paid, that kind of thing. They can submit it, and then the church can make the payment directly to the creditor as opposed to giving the money to the individual. And uh, that is a that is a cleaner way, in my estimation, to support your body. Now, if they need money for food or clothing, there's got to be provisions to get the money directly to the individuals. But for some of these larger payments, car payments, mortgage payments, I think the church can make the, the payments directly. Larger issue is don't have the pastors involved. I would have the elders appoint lay people who know how to do this and get them involved. All right, Bill, um, we are, you and I both read a piece by David Brooks in the New York Times. We don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but we do have, you know, 90 seconds. Talk about this moral moment. We, we find ourselves in a unique moral moment right now. We do find ourselves in, in a unique moral moment. And he, he, um, he had an interesting observation in that piece. Uh, he observed that uh, we're already a divided nation, and now we're being asked to be even more divided. He observed that we're inarticulate in our in our morality and in our values, and now we're being challenged with really some very fundamentally moral questions about what's going on in this country and who we are as a people. And I just I just, parts of that. You know, he's not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, but parts of that article really resonated with me. And I just wonder, Carmen, and you may want to comment on this, I just wonder if this isn't a preview from the Lord as to what he may need to do in order to get America's attention and get us to bow our knee to him again as a country. And I, I, I've been asking God to do whatever is necessary to get America to bow its knee to you. And this may be just a preview, or it may just be the first quarter. I don't know. Um, I completely agree. I mean, I have friends who are asking the question, you know, is this the beginning of the tribulation? I have others who are asking, um, you know, questions about the way God works in the context of human history and the ways that he has over the course of time um, renewed people's attention to himself. Um, And there are only a handful of ways that uh, God has historically caught up people's attention globally. And so this isn't just an American moment. This is a global moment. And I do believe that this, you know, that time is ripe for revival. People are looking up. They are looking outward and they are asking deeper questions. They have less distractions. And the entire um, entertainment industry uh, sports and and Hollywood and everything else is completely shut down. And so um, people are, um, they have a lot of time. And if their attention is turned even for a moment in the direction of God, then God's people need to be there ready to help people um, see and recognize the God they've been ignoring in their midst for so long. So yeah, I feel like this is the time is ripe for um, for wholesale revival, not only here, but around the world. So, Bill, um, thanks as always 
We want people to uh, check out BibleAndBusiness.com. If you're interested in joining Bill's Zoom meeting this coming Saturday, just email him directly, Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Carmen. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back. So my next conversation is about identity and legacy and family and the writing of letters. This is a good time to be um, learning to write letters again. Uh, it's it's fun to go to the mailbox and get a piece of mail. Uh, you're going to continue to receive physical mail even during um, all of this. The truth is um, that we know things about ourselves because of what God has said and because of the truth of God spoken into our lives, not only through the scriptures, but through people, through families, if we were raised by godly men and women. And so the truth we know about ourselves and the truth we know about our children from God and God's word is juxtaposed against all the lies that the world tells our kids about themselves. And so Jasmine Holmes, she is a sister in Christ. She is also a brown-skinned mama. And her book, Mother to Son, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope, is a gift to the heart. It speaks in ways that resonate with the potential to not only prepare a child for the world, but actually change the, wa- the, the world into which our children um, are going to grow up, the one they're going to inherit, the one they are one day going to lead. So up next, Jasmine Holmes with Mother to Son. Max Locato here. I think God is testing the church. By that I mean He is strengthening us. He's calling upon us to be the people He desires for His church to be. You'll remember that when Jesus fed that crowd of 5,000 men plus women of children, uh, the gospel tells us that Jesus tested His followers by telling them to feed those people. They could have and they should have looked to Him and said, Lord, you can do this. And so that's the call of the church right now, is to be the people who come to God and say, God, we cannot solve this, but you can. Bless our leaders. Bless those in research. Bless those who are vulnerable. We ask you, Lord. So let's be that people, folks. Let's be people who call out to God and ask Him for help. We're going to get through this. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be quick. But God will take this, and He will use it for good. Well, since this book arrived at my house, I have been looking forward to this conversation with Jasmine Holmes. She is, among other things, the author of Mother to Son, um, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope. You can find her online at Jasmine L. Holmes. You can also follow her on Twitter, Jasmine L. Holmes. Jasmine, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I know that's strange to say because we've never met, but you are um, you are precious to me. This this book is is a gift to the heart. Um, and I know that it, it it's really a gift to your son first. Um, but this is a gift to the heart. And this is a gift to every uh, every one of us who wants to better understand not only the culture that we're living in, but the um, the world that 
other people are living in. We're, we're inhabiting the same space, but we are not having the same experience. And so mm-hmm. thank you for the window that these letters to your son um, provide into, uh, into the reality that you are living each and every day. So talk with us about um, uh, your windspiration. Let's just start there. Talk with us about yeah. your windspiration. Um, first off, thank you so much for reading and for your kind words. Um, I really, really just appreciate the fact that people are picking up the book and reading it. That's the hugest blessing. Um, my Winspiration. So my oldest son's name is Win, um, and he is three and a half. And when I set out to write this book, a mentor of mine told me to use my Winspiration um, to write letters to my son about something that was important to me. And um, I wanted to write these letters not as a parenting book. I continue to stress that because, as I said, my oldest is only three. (laughs) But um, as a book of hope and the hope that I have for my son and the hope that I have for the way that his identity will be shaped um, as he grows and as he matures. All right. So he's, um, he's now the eldest brother. He, he already has another, you already have another son. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I, I appreciate that, um, that was an emerging like reality as you were writing the book. And so I just writing the letters that become the book. Talk about the power of letter writing, because the way the book is constructed is this series of letters to your son. And then we have these interludes of, uh, of other snippets, but talk about the power of letter writing because it's very, it's very personal. Yeah. I um, had read a couple of books by two of my favorite authors, uh, James Baldwin and to Amanda Ngozi Adichie. And one was a book was just a short letter um, to James Baldwin's nephew called The Fire Next Time. And it was centered around what was going on during the civil rights movement. And the other was a short book of letters written from Adichie to her goddaughter about um, womanhood. And so I read those in kind of rapid succession. And then I read um, Between the World and Me. And I realized that letter writing is this really cool format because it allows you um, to be vulnerable, but also to talk about really hard things and to consistently remind yourself of the tone that you want to have during a hard conversation. So for me, talking about race and identity is a hard thing, um, but writing to my son, to both of my sons, um, helped me to keep a tone of gentleness or rather to strive for a tone of gentleness and to strive for a tone of explaining and understanding. And the more I wrote, the more I realized that the tone that I have talking to my precious sons about these things is the tone that I want to have talking to um, the precious body of Christ about these things. This is um, the series of letters that you write in here um, lift up the concept uh, and the reality of identity in so many ways. There is this um, legacy identity in your own family. There is the identity as uh, a son to you, but also an image bearer of God. There is the identity as a brother. There is an identity as, um, you know, as a person who would be a bridge. Um, mm-hmm. talk, talk with us about identity. There are so many different facets uh, that work together to form a person's identity. And granted, we live in a culture that is obsessed with identity, personality, um, your heart. And 
finding the connection between all of those things and who we are in Christ and being hidden with Christ and having union with Christ is a lifelong journey for a Christian. And um, at the onset of that journey, I really, really hope and pray for my son, um, the same thing that I hope and pray for the church, that it would be grounded and rooted in Jesus so that everything that he is, everything that I am, everything that we are as the body of Christ starts and finishes with who Jesus is and the way that he has uniquely made each and every one of us um, in his image and to show forth his glory in our uniqueness. I am talking with Jasmine Holmes, among other things. She is the author of Mother to Son, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope. You can find her online at Jasmine L. Holmes. It's also her Twitter handle, which I left the L out of this morning, embarrassingly. Jasmine L. Holmes. Um, and we're going to return to this conversation in just a moment, so stay with us. Continuing my conversation with Jasmine Holmes, the book is Mother to Son, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope. Um, Jasmine, these, are, um, these aren't just words on a page. Um, I, I would love for you to talk about the world that you know about because of the color of your skin that I don't know about because of the color of mine. Uh, I've had so many people that I know and love read this book and come to me after knowing me for years and knowing me really well and say things like, I had no idea that people say those things to you. I had no idea that you worry about those things. I had no idea, fill in the blank. And um, it's not because I was hiding anything or not sharing things. And these are some of my closest friends um, and mentors, but just because there's so much that goes on in my life and in my mind behind the scenes that um, I just don't usually share in polite conversation. So um this book has been a really interesting experience of kind of reaching into some of those uh, experiences of growing up um, Black in white evangelical culture, being the only Black girl in the room so much of the time, and getting questions and comments that, while usually not ill-intentioned, really shaped the way that I viewed myself um, and the way that I view the color of my skin. I have two young sons and they're growing up in kind of a similar world. We have a bit more of a diverse um, church and school environment planned for them than the one that I had, but still are growing up minorities in um, a majority church context. And I am kind of walking a fine balance between preparing them for um, the comments or the hurt or the awkwardness that they may incur um, while also really trying to raise them to be optimists. Um, and it's such a hard line to toe. Um, so that's just something that's always in my mind that may not be in the mind of other mothers or people of other ethnicities. One of the things that stands out um, are the assumptions that you anticipate are going to be made about your son um, because of the color of his skin. And 
and you're anticipating, like, I, f- I feel it in your heart as you are writing these letters to him. Like, you're anticipating that he's going to be big. His dad is tall, and you're tall. And so you're, like, anticipating that he's going to be this giant boy. Um, and he's got a lot of energy, and he is an extrovert, and he's full of life. Um, you are anticipating that being received by the world um, in ways that a white family would not necessarily be anticipating that the world would be making the same assumptions about their child. I, I think that is illuminating. You're, you are, I don't know if you recognize the gift that you've given by how honest you've been in this book in writing Mother to Son. Um, so I just want to, I mean, I just wanted to just say thank you. Um, the world makes assumptions about a child that lives in my home because he mm-hmm. physically looks different because of mm-hmm. some chromosomal ab- abnormalities that he has. Um, and and yet they make assumptions then about his intellect or about his emotional development that just aren't true. It's easy mm-hmm. to wound him. It's really mm-hmm. easy to wound him. And so I think that you are, you're speaking here from a mother's heart, but you are really speaking to the culture across the board, if people want to understand the experience of others and genuinely empathize, you have given us a way into that that's really profound. Again, I am talking with Jasmine Holmes, author of Mother to Son, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope. Um, Jasmine, if you have the book in front of you, um, I would love for you to just even read a portion um, of maybe of the introduction. I love Jackie Hill Perry's forward, but um, let's, um, if you would, if you would just um, I mean, if you would even just read the first couple of paragraphs um, of the book, I, I think that it would help people to sort of get the sense of the feel of uh, of what's in here. Absolutely. Um, I'll go ahead and just read the first page. Um, it was my friend Karen Ellis who first told me to use my inspiration. When is my son? As I write this, he's just turned two years old. No one could ever be more loved by his parents than my husband, Philip, and I adore our little boy. He is extroverted, inquisitive, fiercely affectionate, and staunchly opinionated. He's discovering so much about this world and has yet to grow jaded by the ups and downs of finding his place therein. I'm five foot eight. My husband is six foot six. So we're expecting a little giant. And we know from a very early age, he's likely to be the biggest kid, the strongest kid, and the one least likely to be seen by outsiders as a kid. We know that he may be perceived as more threatening and aggressive than his non-Black peers. We know that, like his daddy and me, he might grow up with stories of having been made to feel other because of the color of his skin. We want him to walk through life cognizant of these facts without becoming jaded by them. We want to teach him that he has incomparable value in the eyes of the father, in spite of the way he will often be perceived. Though this life will sometimes make him feel less than human, he is more than a conqueror through his savior. Against all odds, we want to raise an optimist, someone who knows that he might receive the worst the world has to offer and still believes the best, someone who cultivates glorious respites from the cruelty of the world by the grace of God. It's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful book. I love the construction of it as a series of letters from a mother to a son, um, and you invite all of us into this experience. So, Jasmine, um, thank you. I know that you also um, you also write online. You blog, uh, and so we want to invite people to visit your website. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. JasmineLHolmes.com. Yes, that's right. And you know, I just um, 
I know maybe it's odd to just keep saying thank you. Um, but but I want you to hear and receive that. Would you would you talk about beauty for a moment? Because I felt like as a woman, um, that chapter was um, was also really just such a blessing or that letter was such a blessing. Just talk about beauty. Mm, I recently listened to a podcast from this gorgeous black actress talking to two other um, black women about the concept of beauty and the concept of black identity and beauty. And she is beautiful, ridiculously beautiful. And was sitting on this podcast and saying that the things that make her beautiful, her rich brown skin, her beautiful lips, the planes of her face, the planes of her nose, all of those things were things that she grew up thinking made her not beautiful, made her unattractive, made her different, made her other. And the other two women on the podcast, again, also attractive women, shared the exact same experience. And I felt like they were talking for me. Um, And so when I wrote the book and when I think about my son, I think about the fact that he is so beautiful to me and he is such a gem and such a precious child to me. And I want him to grow up thinking and knowing that even though he is different, um, there's beauty in those differences and there's beauty in that uniqueness. And I don't know what his experience as an adult will be, um, but I hope that he does not have the same experience I did where he doesn't realize that he is um, beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made until he is an adult. I hope that he grows up realizing it. So this may not be a parenting book. Um, It is a mothering book. Uh, It is a sistering book. And I I find myself hoping that maybe one day there will be a series of letters um, from you to your dad and maybe some letters back, because that is another book I would um, I would read. That'd be fun. (laughs) That'd be fun. Jasmine Holmes, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today. The book is Mother to Son. Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope. You can find Jasmine online at jasminelholmes.com. Jasmine, thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, circling back to where we started all of this today. Today is April 1st, April Fool's Day. For many in the world who are fools in their heart, they say there is no God. That's Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart there is no God. I am advocating that we be a different kind of fool and advocate for a different kind of foolishness. The 1 Corinthians chapter 1 variety, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So today, um, go out there and be a fool for Christ. Happy April Fool's Day to all my other foolish Christian friends out there, fools for Christ on the front lines of the advancement of the gospel in this generation. Um, It's not a laughing matter, but it is a joy-filled matter. And so let us be people who advance the joy of Christ this day in the world that he so loves. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. Grab the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com and share it with someone else. Be an ambassador of the show. Plan to share with me live on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We'll be back here tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.